Hello and welcome to Postgres FM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I'm Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and this is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? This week is my choice and I choose replication, but this is just one word, but a huge, huge topic. Let's try to talk about replication, only trying to focus on areas which are interesting to backend developers and architects. So for, for people who create something, build something and so on. Yeah, exactly. Let's make sure it'd be cool to cover the different options people have and the problems they're generally trying to solve when they're looking into this. We also had a couple of requests from listeners that cover this. So we've got the differences between physical and logical and also challenges on different managed services, especially RDS. So that'd be cool. And options like while shipping, while streaming, that came yeah, up. Two, two subtypes of physical, right? right. Exactly. Well, yeah. Let's start from the problem. Like, why at all do we need replication? I see three areas where replication is needed, and two of them are major, and third is kind of controversial. So, first question where replication might be needed is high availability. What, for example, in cloud, our VM can be down any time. So we don't want to have downtime, right? So we, we want to have zero, almost zero downtime or downtime less than one minute always. Yeah, well, even if we self-host, the machine can, like, things can go wrong with one and for it to fail over to a, a secondary right. is super helpful. Oh, sorry, stand, I see primary and standby as the, as the language in the docs. Self-host, you mean you, you have some service in data center. In this case, you have perfect opportunity to go a different route and uh, go blame your provider of hardware and so on. So like, in, in the case of clouds, this is l less possible. So usually, and, and the issues happen more often, actually, naturally. You, you can have very good uh, hardware, so each server is running years. In cloud, it's also possible, but less often. And this is, this is the first option anyway. Second is I have high CPU or like I, I, I have almost saturated disk IO or everything is out of cache or something like I, I have resources which are close to saturation. So one machine is not enough. And in my opinion, this second option in clouds, they, it's also definitely possible, but you, in clouds, it's easier to just uh, increase resources uh, switching to more powerful machine, right? Which is uh, like less convenient to do out of clouds. So this, this reason uh, triggers more uh, like maybe sooner if you're not, not, not in cloud. But anyway, in cloud, it also triggers. And uh, at some point you want to offload reads to a different server and Postgres allows it. And the third option is using replication in addition or instead of backups. And usually it's a bad idea. First of all, if you, for example, you lose like if you lose whole one node, it, it's, it's about HA, it's not about disaster recovery and backups. But if, for example, someone deleted something, a replication immediately delivered this, propagated this change to all nodes. So that's why we also always say like replication is not for backups. But in Postgres for physical replication, there is an option to have a special replica, which will be delayed by several hours, for example, like four hours. And if someone deleted something, you can use that replica and actually promote it, not promote, replay additional walls until the point right before deletion happened. 
right? And if you know this, this time, because it, sometimes it's not uh, easy to find. And then you can restore manually, restore the data which was deleted. It's called delayed replica approach, but I like it not so much because it's, it's better to use branching or like, for example, database lab engine and to have a specialized replica with snapshots every, like, for example, two or four hours or one hour and have a recipe to, to do the same point in time recovery, starting from some snapshot. In this case, it's very fast. But always there is the option to restore from backups. You should have backups with point in time recovery with continuously archived walls so you can restore from there. But if your database is, for example, one terabyte, you should be prepared to spend roughly one hour. If it's 10 terabyte, 10 hours, roughly, sometimes five. So back to the main, so we will focus on two main use cases. We want to offload some workload to different server, or we want also to achieve very low downtime if something bad happens with some node. And of course, obviously, interesting, historically in Postgres, there was some idea this should be implemented outside of engine, replication, I mean. It only, as I remember, in 9.0, replication was implemented in core physical replication. Am I oh, right? really? That recently? Am I right about 9.0? Or it was 8-something? I, I, we should check. But uh, it was not long ago. Like in, in, in the middle of, like, in, for example, in 2005, we didn't have replication and still there are ongoing discussions like uh, we, we shouldn't have it in the engine. It should be outside. And there was a system called Sloney which implemented logical replication, actually, based on triggers. And it was a very difficult to, like, you, you need to, ma to allocate a single whole DBA to maintain it. So it was not easy to maintain. And then Skype implemented Londeste, also based on triggers. Slightly better in terms of maintenance. And the good about those systems was that you can add additional logic easily because you can specify which tables you want to take and you can actually make transformations on the fly, like a lot of flexibility. But of course, this is based on triggers, there is overhead. You write to a table and trigger writes to an additional table, right? So, so, so to, then consumers propagate the changes to that additional table. So kind of significant overhead. But you can replicate from one major Postgres version to another major Postgres version, great. <clears throat> but nobody guarantees that subscriber, so recipient node, will have the same data. Like, like there, there are many risks when you use this system. So it's, it's not as reliable. And then based on wall, wall existed, write-ahead log. So Postgres writes any change first to write-ahead log and then to and, and synchronize it to, with disks. Uh, right. So it's, uh, it's guaranteed that write-ahead log has all physical instructions of all changes. So based on wall, uh, the idea is uh, wall is, is, is used when we replay Postgres after crash, replace changes since la latest last checkpoint. And the idea was let's take this mechanism and have another node which will be always replaying these walls. And it will be constantly replaying them, and that's it. It, it, it won't be allowed for this node to write itself, always to, just to replay. So like constantly being in recovery mode. That's why function to check if it's primary node or replica node, standby node, it's called PG is in recovery. It's very confusing. Like each standby node, each replica, it's like a kind of in recovery constantly. But it's, there is additional like recovery process for standby nodes after crash. It also can crash, right? 
So there is recovery, and then we like there are two types of recovery state. I I would say, like normal and, and, and not normal. <laughs> so it's a really good point though, because I think some people come to this having had experience of other databases and wonder if there is a way of having multiple nodes that they can write to in Postgres, and that's not an option in vanilla Postgres. Whereas there's some kind of Postgres compatible database that do allow that. We live in a world of you have one primary that you can write to, and then you can have multiple replicas from that that you can read from as well. Right. For physical replication, physical replication is based on the wall, and it's just uh, we are in, uh, constantly in recovery, but accepting connections. Okay, we have physical standby. Uh, what we need to understand that it's everything. Unfortunately, Postgres wall, it's like it's single thing for whole Postgres server, so-called cluster and Postgres documentation. So we cannot uh, take only one database, unfortunately. Although such projects exist, exist, and maybe it will be implemented at some point, other database systems support it. For example, SQL Server. So what we have here, we have Node, which is constantly replaying walls. It means that everything is there, everything, all tables, even bloat is there, which is good, actually, sometimes. Yeah. And the physical, this is called, called physical replication. And uh, you mentioned in request, there are two subtypes of physical replication uh, based on wall shipping. And uh, historically, it was implemented first. And second, streaming. Why we have two? Because they're slightly different. Wall shipping is more like, I would say it's more reliable. And it, it also, you can ship walls from archive, from object store like S3, AWS S3. And uh, even primary won't know about you. It's convenient you can have a lot of replicas like that but lag can be significant like some seconds already like okay interesting yeah and uh, all, all files are 16 max by default as i remember rds increased them to 64 if i'm not mistaken but to get that file to store it like it takes some time so that's why uh, streaming replication was additionally implemented to uh, in an effort to minimize the lag and also to get control, better control, replication slots. Replication slots is just the idea that it should be visible that we have standby nodes and we should be able to understand what are the lag there and you can see even detailed lag there. So when you design some system, you can understand, okay, we will have standbys, they will be asynchronous by nature, so legs are possible. And we can also see from the, sitting on the primary what are the legs including phases of the leg, like in transfer or like flushing to disk or replaying, like where, like how the leg is. We can zoom into leg and see it un under like closer. So, so standby nodes are asynchronous, but it's possible to make them synchronous as well. With obvious trade-off, if we say we need synchronous behavior, then we need to, our transaction at commit time, will need to wait until the, this transaction confirmed to, to be written committed on both nodes or on three nodes. It's very expensive in terms of writing transactions, right? But uh, the funny trick, you can design it, uh, your system, that not every transaction will behave like that. You can be, you can have nodes by nature, but then say this transaction is super important. So I want this transaction to be, to behave as, as synchronous. You, you, it's just controlled via uh, synchronous commit, right? So you can say, I want this to be saved on multiple servers. This is this is trick not everyone knows, right? So yeah, I didn't know that. That's, that's yeah. cool. Do you use that? Uh, no, 
I actually, I, I yeah. see a lot of companies and people who, who use synchronous nodes. And also there is an option to say, okay, I have many standby nodes. I, I want at least one of them to, to receive the, the change. It's called quorum commit. You say how many nodes should receive it out of all existing nodes. It's also possible. Like there are many things which, which are now possible for physical replication. But somehow we live with asynchronous nodes and legs are very small. We control them usually using slots. And later, newest Postgres versions have protection. There is a, like I remember my ops people told me they are afraid of slots because if some node is down, slot is accumulating a lot big leg and then you're out of disk on the primary. Now we have protection. I don't remember the parameter. But you can say not more than this number of gigabytes. Then this node will be considered as completely lost and slot will be like not working anymore. But you're, you're safe, your free disk space on the primary. So like it's, it's quite powerful. But for if, if I'm a backend developer, I need to understand that nature is un, by default is asynchronous. If I want synchronous, I won't be very careful. I want to understand all network latencies because network is involved now, right? And of course, if I use standbys only for HAPE, high availability, it matters less. And I, of course, should use Patroni or something. Patroni is most popular out of a lower. By the way, same idea, we should not be in core. That's why it's outside. Here, like in replication, the idea, let's have it in core one. For auto failover, not yet. It's still outside. In my opinion, everything should be in core, but there are many things, obviously, that pre prevent it from happening. So if you have HA, you don't put load there. You have a lot of money. You know, why not? Then you don't deal with, like, you just need to control the lag in terms of the health of this node, right? And primary is down and lag is known to be small. Okay, data loss is small. If it exceeds, for example, in Patroni, we control it. We can set uh, allowed lag for failover event. If it exceeds, if, if Patroni knows that the lag is too high, failover won't happen because we don't want data loss. So we can prioritize. We, we have trade-off here. What to do? Failover and have lower downtime, or we want to save all, all our data. We don't, have, we don't want data loss, so we probably... Have, it's better to have downtime, but try to fix primary and save data. There is there is trade-off here. If if people want to like read up more about this kind of thing, I've seen people using the like if your if your boss is demanding zero data loss and instant failover. I've seen the the letters, the acronyms RPO and RTO, and people have written a lot of useful guides around. Well, RPO RTO is good to understand, but it's more like ops terms. How yeah, to exactly how to define as SLO, SLA, RPO, RTO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Returning to these subtypes, uh, we have wall shipping and we have streaming. Of course, streaming should be preferred if you want a smaller uh, lag on your nodes. And especially if you want to offload uh, reads, you, you want to offload it. Uh, so to reduce load, or, or very often it's CPU load, sometimes a disk IO. You want to offload it to replicas, standby servers, you probably would, would prefer streaming and uh, with replication slots for better uh, observability. But um, the trick everyone implements, everyone who deals with such system is, uh, okay, we have, sometimes we have lag, few seconds. What if 
Uh, and for example, we, we have a page or a mobile app uh, we, and the user created something and then immediately tries to search, trying to check the result. If user is very fast and our node has some lag, the user might see in, like no new items in the result set. Where is, my, yeah. where is my post or comment or something? In this case, every, every experienced backend developer implements the pattern sticky reads. I, I, say, I, I, say, I named it like this, sticky reads. So you say, okay, in my session or this user or something, you need to identify somehow your user. If you have sessions, it's session. If you have like REST API, no, no context on server, so maybe you need somehow to identify like, like customer ID or user ID. So you say, okay, some recent data change happened and we mark this user as recently changed database. Some flag in cache, in some cache, like memcache, redis, anything. And in this case, you need to teach your backend to work only with primary for some period of time. Stick all reads to the primary. That's why I call it sticky, sticky reads or sticky selects. And the funny thing that a couple of years ago, Rails, Ruby on Rails, they implemented it. So they, it's, it's there and you just can use it, that's it. It's, I think every framework should think about it because they should think about scale, scaling uh, and performance issues because if you don't scale, you will be, you, users will be suffering in terms of performance. The closer you to saturation, for example, of CPU, the bigger problems can happen. So sometimes, good. Mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds that sounds cool. I've, the other thing I see people using replicas for in terms of reads are a kind of read only parts of the app. So like analytic, like dashboards or their own internal analytics, that kind of thing. <sighs> what what risks are there there? Postgres doesn't allow to do it without consequences. You have two options and both are bad. You just need to choose which is less bad in your case. First option, you have regular standby, which means host standby feedback is off. Host standby feedback signals to the primary the state of our standby. It's, it's controlled on standby, on each standby, you can define it. And it says, okay, if it's off, I don't care. Like primary doesn't, shouldn't know about where I am. And, but this means that any transaction that lasts longer and all analytical queries tend to last longer, right? They will pause replication. And there, is, there are parameters for streaming and for uh, wall shipping separately, which define maximum duration because af- after which we can say, okay, it's, it's enough. And we cancel transaction in favor to replay new changes from wall. Uh, streaming or wall shipped doesn't matter. This is not good because it makes your node like single user because other users, like for example, one user is using, okay, I'm using it. First, first danger is that at some point transaction can, like my read-only select can be canceled. It's, it's one can, but I can uh, adjust this parameter and, and uh, allow like a couple of hours. But other users coming to this server observe huge lag. That's why I say, like, virtually this is a single user node. Like, you're alone there. Like, others will suffer. So it's it's not convenient. That's why, in this case, there is another option, which is also bad. It's called host standby feedback being on. We turn it on, and standby reports to the primary about XMIN horizon. What, like, we have transaction IDs. 
And we have many transactions happening at the same time, like constantly, because it's multi-user, multi-multi-user system, right? And there is a vacuum which which should clean that tuples which already dead for all transactions. But how to define for which like all? To define all here, we need to understand which is the oldest transaction still ongoing, and this is called like Xmin Horizon. Xmin it's because I remember you can select Xmin from any table. There is always such column there. Our listeners who listened first episodes not I, I I I like this like hidden columns in Postgres Xmin Xmax CTID. So Xmin Xmin is like birth date in terms of transaction ID. You can uh, see when each tuple physical row version was created in which transaction. So we have multiple transactions, and the oldest one is our Xmin Horizon, and this is reported to primary. So primary auto vacuum, all auto vacuum workers on primary respect this and don't delete the tuples because they are considered still needed on some replicas. And imagine if you do it, some you run some query on some node with hosts and by feedback turned on for many hours. It will lead to auto vacuum unable to delete the tuples in all tables on the primary, all tables. It's like cluster-wide problem. So we will eventually accumulate load. Later, transaction finished, uh, auto vacuum deleted, and we have gaps. Gaps is bloat. Bloat should be distinguished from dead tuples. But dead tuples, accumulation of large volumes of them lead to bloat. And that's not good, affecting both table and indexes. Health. So, constant back feedback on is bad, off is bad. Choose what you prefer. So, I prefer, my idea is two other options. Both are good, but both are difficult to implement. First is don't use Postgres for analytical queries. <laughs> use logical decoding, logical replication to other systems like ClickHouse, Snowflake, anything. This is one. Second, but of course, it, it means like it's easy to say, but, but it, it's a lot of new expertise required and a lot of maintenance efforts. It, of course, it's easier to create a physical standby and work from there. Second option is to have, again, branching or database lab engine and provisions uh, clone or branch and uh, new one just released branching last week, by the way. I'm super excited. This should be everywhere. Like, branching is super powerful. And uh, it's, it's, I'm most excited about capabilities for development environments, for, like non-production environments. But for production environments, it's also good. Like you have specialized replica and when you provision a branched or cloned Postgres, it doesn't report to the primary at all. You can do, like you, ha you have frozen state, of course. You, you're not receiving fresh changes. But you can do whatever you want. Like you're already detached from, from anyone. So you cannot be a problem for others. It's good. Well, of, of course you can have a logical replication. It doesn't report about Xmin Horizon to the primary, but there are it reports about, it learns about system catalog changes. So if some DDL is happening, there will be a problem, which is a problem in general in logical. So easy options are both bad, difficult options are both good. <laughs> right. But you need additional, uh, you know, you know, you need additional tools for it. So that's, that probably covers physical, basically just view streaming, it's good, reliable. You use wall replicas for 
standby nodes for cases when you have like for example you want to provision and keep it up to date some environment where you do experiments for example like it can it can be based on wall shipping from archive i prefer to not to touch the primary less often and that's it so physical is reliable battle proven everywhere it's working it's good how about logical yeah logical is good also but it has a lot of limitations first of all in logical can be used in old-fashioned way longest is still a tool to, to consider based on triggers or it can be used what we have logical decoding and replication of postgres first of all like for developers you should understand that logical is based on basically on, on wall as well on wall is is recording tuple changes like this is new tuple, this is new whole page that changed, and so on. Very low level changes. And logical is based on that. So it's not purely logical. It's like logical derived from physical, right? And this leads to many, many issues, actually. So many issues. But biggest issues with logical that it, it lacks some things, but which currently are under development. For example, DDL or replication of sequences. There, are, there is ongoing work, a lot of work and hackers which improves it and, uh, I mean, solves these problems. So I'm quite positive that Postgres 16 will, or 17 will be much better in terms of logical. And recent Postgres versions 14 and 15, they also have improvements. We ha on Postgres TV, we had guest Amit Kapila who described logical replication improvements. But logical in general is needed when uh, your destination should differ from the source. In logical replication terminology, they call the publisher and the subscriber, like primary standby terms converted to publisher subscriber here. So, for example, you want different major version, right? Yes, yeah, so if we're doing an upgrade. Or you want to not whole database. For example, you want only a couple of tables. Or it's different database system at all, like ClickHouse. It's also possible based on logical decoding. Logical decoding idea is, is quite easy. Like, let's have logical replication slot, and it will like stream our changes wall records, and we will consume wall records and decide what to do with them. Either ignore or somehow process and allow to consume. So there are plugins, so-called, which define this logic on the publisher. And the problem, one of the biggest problems with logical for me, but it looks like practically it's not that big. So it's always parsing everything. So like you cannot, it's, it's a both performance and scalability problem. It can, be, it can lead to lags if you have complex records in wall, like a lot, lot of columns involved and so on. And also if you add additional stream and you want to say, okay, these tables will be there and those tables will be here, like divide and conquer. You won't conquer because consumption of CPU from of wall sender on the, on the publisher side will be, will be this like if it's it was 100% CPU of one core now you will have two cores both consuming 100%. It's quite a problem but I, I see that it's, it hits it's only at very under very heavy load. Not like you, you should go before you probably hit the problem on the recipient side, on the subscriber. For example, if you miss some index and want to replay changes, right? And also, splitting to multiple streams makes more sense here because definitely you can 
have multiple wall receivers and uh, backends replaying changes on the recipient side, on the, on the subscriber. So I also, for those who design and want to think about how to use logical, I wanted to highlight about one interesting point. We can distinguish two big areas of use cases. First is when we need all tables in Postgres. It can be different major version of Postgres, but still we need all of them. And second, everything else, like we need only partially our database or it's not Postgres at all. So in the first case, I forgot to mention how we need to start with logical. First, we need to take a copy of database, maybe partially. And then second phase, we stream changes. It's called CDC, change data capture. So there are two phases, initialization and already working state. And the great news, which is not covered in documentation, that you can switch from physical to logical very easily. So you just have physical standby, and then you create replication slot, logical replication slot on the primary. It will provide you LSN while it post. So it's, this is a, po a point when it was created, and we know that it's like the state is at this LSN. LSN is it's like log sequence number. It's uh, the sequentially increasing uh, number in, in, in the wall. And then you can say recovery target LSN to reach the same LSN on the standby. Right, and then you just switch to logical from physical replication, and that's it. So it, it it will take a few seconds only. So you can have 10 terabyte database and provision logical in, in the couple, like from physical. Physical is easy, like it's already very, very well known how to do it. But if you want whole database, you can do this trick, and super super cool to to provision logical and uh, this opens the path to various experiments for example if you want to use logical for various migrations to different postgres major version or yeah or something like so, fight with bloat i don't know like change personal system something like that that sounds super interesting for major version upgrades so physical replication then could we do a an upgrade like then we can we do the the pg upgrade and then turn on logical replication to catch up exactly so you do this trick and from physical if you convert physical node to logical node and then you can stop it upgrade it during this time the primary will accumulate changes in the slot so yeah once you're up again you will consume and catch up that's it very cool yeah super <laughs> So I don't know why people don't use it often. It's like it's. I, I would say this is secret of how it's called secret of Polychanel, right? Like very well known secret actually. Like many people know it, but it's somehow keeping. It's not in document. Maybe it should be covered in documentation actually, but documentation is in general lacks how to parts. It's, it's very occasional to see to to see how to parts in documentation in current form. So. But, um, that being said, the condition is awesome, definitely. So, and if you need part of it, of course, it's, it, it won't work. You can do it. For example, I want half of database. I do this trick and then I will drop half of database. It can work. But in other cases, it won't. That's awesome. I was wondering about two last things, depending on which one you wanted to cover. Either go into a bit more detail on any of the issues on the, the logic replication side or potentially more interesting, the one of the questions included any specifics for 
managed service providers. So like any limitations to be aware of in the popular ones like RDS, Google Cloud. There are limitations other. everywhere, of course. So how many yep. nodes you can have. For example, many projects prefer having like 10 or 15 physical standbys and offload a lot of reads there. It's constant work for backend developers to find more uh, queries that can, session, uh, transactions that can be offloaded. But in general, as I remember, on RDS, originally, they distinguished two types of standbys. And first one was regular Postgres standby, and it, it was supported reads. And second was a checkbox multi-AZ, multi-availability zone. It was a hidden standby based not on Postgres replication. It was b before recent changes. And it was not visible, no, you couldn't use it, so it's like ju just for HA. Now, as I know, they support they changed it. I, I haven't looked recently, but I've, I saw the news that now for this HA replica, read queries are also supported, which is good. So, but like, in ideal world, of course, we should have like, we should have HA replica and others replica. But some people think we should have at least three nodes and don't care about which, like, symmetric symmetric schema when all replicas can be used for failover and all, all replicas can receive reads. I actually prefer this schema, symmetric, because if you allocate specific node for HA, well, uh, caches problem, you need to warm up, right? For for read queries, it's warm up automatically if, you, if it's receiving reads. So True. It's like kind of things to think about. Like, I prefer this approach. Patroni actually is good for it as well. By the way, in Patroni, there is a problem with logical slots. If failover, physical failover happened, you don't have slots. And Interesting. That's bad. And also, logical, like, unlike physical, physical can be cascaded. You can create interesting architectures. But for logical, it's always from primary, unfortunately, for, from physical primary. And there are many, there, there are many discussions how to enable logical replication from physical standbys. It would be great to have, but like risks are shifted to to standbys. It's much better, but unfortunately, it's not yet implemented. So if you have physical failover, you lose slots. But there is some recipe and Patroni implemented, and there is a talk from Kukushkin, which is Mr. Patroni. You can, you, yeah, you, can, you can listen to... There are many interesting details there. And actually, on Postgres TV, Alexander also presented this talk. Many interesting details. So it's like how to avoid full initialization for logical replicas. But for upgrades, we don't care about it because our replicas should live like many, some hours or a couple of days, right? Yeah. So, so, temporarily. So we don't care about it. So there are many different use cases, a lot of them. Awesome. Was there anything else you wanted to cover? Um, yeah, there are many things to cover. For example, uh, stand physical standby behavior may be very different from primary. For example, if you have soup transactions, you might want to check my article about it and the disaster GitLab had. They, oh, also, they also blog posted about it, a very good article. And it was uh, quite difficult to troubleshoot. So the idea that we have the same everything well, yes, we have the same everything, but there are small details that can differ. And if you have sub-transactions and you should be prepared for growth, definitely worth checking that post because physical standby can be different, can have different behavior. I'll definitely include it. So in general, 
summary is physical replication is very, very reliable in Postgres. Logical has issues, but it's, people also use it. There are also derived products like AWS has DMS, GCP, Google also provide something in this area to migrate Postgres to Postgres, different versions or from different uh, database systems to Postgres. Also, usually cloud providers provide logical replication connection, but no physical. It's worth keeping in mind. So you can migrate out of them only using logical. So logical is, it should be an arsenal, definitely, for various kinds of tasks. And uh, um, there are direct products like, I would mention a couple of them, Click, a former uh, Attunity, Attunity, maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. They have issues with duplicates. They implement, I communicated with them many times. They just don't understand and don't bother to, <laughs> to understand me because they, they create slot at SQL level. So they don't, they cannot synchronize it properly. So if a recipient database like Snowflake don't have unique keys, you will have duplicates if you need to when switching from initialization to CDC part. Or there's also a newer company called Fivetran. This is quite good. It's a commercial company. It also works with, on top of logical decoding and supports a lot of things. And it's very like SaaS cloud cloud oriented. But and and I think pricing is also good. But it's worth considering if you want to save time. Yeah. And last last thing on the cloud providers is that they do often have that are just like a checkbox where you can turn on high availability right so it's you don't need the physical replication for that if you use their own service but normally costs double just as if you well, were paying for a replica right 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 but as, as i said this is about rds the checkbox doubled for price for primary and you couldn't use for reads but they changed it recently worth checking there are recent changes so you can you can have the checkbox and still use every day this node for it. Interesting. So Cloud SQL is similar, I think, in that you you can just turn it on, but I'm not sure about the, being able to use it for reads. Right. Okay. Good. Nice one. Thank you so much, Nicola. That was awesome. Thanks for the suggestions for people that sent those in. And thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Michael. See you next time. Bye. See you. Bye.